I'm Regina Beach, and you're listening to Sadden Returns, a show about stories with a clear before and after. Today we're talking to Xander Malilo from Canada, who's a bushcraft student at Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. Xander, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah. Um, so I'm 18 years old, and I come from uh, Montreal, Quebec, up in Canada. Um, I, uh, I stopped going to high school after grade nine because I wasn't really getting any benefit out of it. And I decided that I wanted to pursue, pursue an education that was more interesting to me. So I did some research and I found out about this school and this is exactly like the, the, the foundation for the education that I want to pursue. How do your parents feel about your educational aspirations? They're thrilled about it. It was actually my parents' idea originally to take me out of school because they saw how miserable it was making me. And they were like, why are we sending him there? He could be doing a lot more with his time. So what have you been doing the past three years between the time you left school and the time you started at Bushcraft? I've been working, saving up. I was working in a kitchen and as a painter, and I managed to save up enough to come here. Uh, it's hard to really do bushcrafty stuff in the middle of the city. Can't, yeah, so, yeah, working and spending time with my girlfriend. Tell me about your painting. My painting? Well, okay, so I got into graffiti when I was in, when I was 14. My brother had been doing it for about three years, um... And my whole life, I've always looked up to my brother and my older sister. Basically, anything they did, I wanted to do. So eventually, me and my friends were seeing my brother and his friends doing it, and we were inspired, and we got into it. And even though my brother said it was a terrible idea, and it's gonna, you're going to get arrested, and it's going to ruin your life, and it's, you shouldn't do it, we continued doing it. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. It's it's a uh, it's hard to justify sometimes morally um when you're doing it on other people's property. Um it's very addicting. There's three aspects to graffiti that make it uh so appealing to people and that's the artistic value that you can see in it with just lettering the sport of it of just like knowing that if you get caught you can get in a lot of trouble real trouble like the kind of it's kind of like a game that has real consequences unlike most games that people play like online or video games there you you mess up you're you're in real trouble so yeah like climbing on rooftops and just the adrenaline of it all that's very addicting and then there's also this sort of egotistical part of it where you want you 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 write your name somewhere and then thousands of people walk by it every day and people you don't even know know your name and the more you do it the more they recognize it and you it's like this subculture that you can get really known in and that's 
I don't know. I always like when I was younger, I wanted to be a movie star. I wanted to be famous, but I don't want people recognizing me walking down the street. I want to be able to live a, a normal life. And doing graffiti, you kind of get both of those. Do you have graffiti idols, people you look up to? Um, sort of. A lot of graffiti writers that I look up to, I look up to their graffiti, but I don't look up to them as people. They're not often very respectable people. Not always. Uh, there are some people that are actually pretty down to earth and you can have a good conversation with, but sometimes, I mean, it gets to your head and people think they're larger than life. Will you describe your style or one of the paintings that you've done? Yeah, I well, my whole life I've been an abstract artist. And so graffiti is not super abstract because you're working with real shapes and letters. Um, and so I kind of incorporate that into graffiti by... If I try to do a solid shape, I'm never going to be satisfied with it. It's always going to have one part that's a bit off in my mind and it's never going to be perfect. But when the letter is just a sort of idea and you just do lines and it's kind of messy and you're not really trying to get it looking sharp, but just kind of get the the, the gist of the letter, then it has a... I mean, it, it you, can, you can't go wrong because there's not as much perfection that you can achieve with it so just doing a lot of lines um yeah a lot of colors just like a psychedelic mess that's always been my my thing but there's like also in graffiti there's two different things you can do you can do like piecing which is very artistic but you also do street bombing which is just just trying to get your name out there, really. Just trying to get, like, seen. And so, for that, I like to just go as big as humanly possible. And use up the least amount of materials. So, doing a negative space. Just an outline, and then maybe sh shadowing in the background. You can take up an entire building with half a can of paint. Wow. So being a street artist in the city of Montreal is such a far cry from living in the woods with no running water or electricity. What made you want to be more connected to nature or do you have a memory of childhood when you really realized that nature was a big part of your life? Um, I'm not sure if I really realized it as a child, but definitely I like to... My whole life, we've, we've gone skiing. So every weekend, we would leave the city, go to the mountain, and spend the weekend there, and then come back. And I always re remember this feeling, or even now, just like, you don't notice it when you leave the city, but when you come back to the city, you get hit with stress, and just, it's it's not nice. And you realize, like, this is uh, this is not, this is not where I should be. So definitely from that, knowing that nature is, is a more peaceful and better space to be in. Um, also just realizing how unsustainable life in the city is. Um, I, uh, thinking about like natural disasters or like potential disasters are, it's just terrible in the city, like anything 
in the city. It's just not where you want to be if it's sickness or if it's an earthquake or a storm of any sort. So many people in such a small space with all these tall buildings around. It's just a disaster waiting to happen. It's very avoidable when it's when you're when you're in a remote place out outside in nature. Can you describe where we are right now and what you're doing? Right now we are in the boreal forest. Um we've been learning pr- primitive skills for the past 9 weeks. Uh right now right right here we are in a small a small kitchen with a uh with a little stove that um we're cooking dinner right now in our Dutch ovens. It's it's uh it's cold, but it's very homey. It's very it's very cozy space that we're in right now. What are some of your favorite crafts or favorite activities you've learned over the past nine weeks? Favorite crafts? I really enjoy the uh, the natural cordage and the hammock making. Kind of just like those crafts that don't require too much thought. You can just they just keep your hands busy and they're super easy to do. Um, and favorite activities, I mean, just being out on the water in the canoe, that's so amazing. When we went to, uh, Scopan Lake a couple of weeks ago, uh, we, I basically spent the entire time, every day in the boat and one night spent in the canoe. It was, it was just like, it, it's so comfy and cozy and. What was it like sleeping, floating in a canoe? It was super cozy. We got really set up. We had our our, uh, our tarps over our sleeping bags to make sure that if the dew came in the morning, we weren't going to be soaked. And just to float there and look up, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. I love looking at the stars. In the city, you don't see the stars like that. I mean, just seeing the Milky Way right above my head being able to fall asleep to that, that's that's amazing. That's like, I couldn't ask for more. We recently got back from a solo experience. How was your time alone? What did you do to occupy your time? I got set up the first day. I had my hammock with my tarp over it and set up a nice little cooking area. Um, that took up the afternoon of the first day we got there. And it was super enjoyable to just kind of set up, make my little home in the in the woods in a nice little spot. Um, second day, well, for, first full day, I uh, I went out and I gathered materials to make a bow drill set. It was one of the requirements for the journeyman certification that I've been working towards for the past few weeks uh, to get five bow drill fires with a set that you made while you're out there. Can you explain what a bow drill is and how it works? Yeah, a bow drill is a it's a way of uh, making a friction fire. Um similar to a hand drill if people know what that is, but basically you have a a board, a, a flat board that you make a little hole into and you have a spindle that you apply a lot of pressure downwards and you spin it really quickly by kind of moving a, a bow with a string around it 
back and forth, spinning the spindle and pushing down on the spindle with a, another little handhold piece of wood. And so those two things, the spinning, the speed of the spinning and the uh, pressure, the downward pressure together create a lot of friction and you build up dust and smoke. And then eventually when you get it hot enough, that dust will catch into a little coal. And once you have that coal, then you have to grow out the coal, get it hot, get it large, and then you can put it in uh, in your little tinder bundle, blow on it softly until uh, until you can get a flame. How does it feel to make fire without matches or lighter? It's it's like the greatest feeling in the world. It's it's so satisfying, and it can be so stressful. Like I think when you're not certain if you're going to get a coal, it's more entertaining. It's more of a thrill than like any TV show, any thrilling thing ever. It's like, did I lose the coal? Is it still there? Oh my God. And you work on it for so long. And then when you finally get it, it's just like, you just exhale. It's just the greatest feeling. You, I, I mean, you can't describe that feeling, but it's, it's super satisfying. You said you were working towards the journeyman certification. What are your goals after this course ends? I, uh, because I don't have a high school diploma, I, my, my sort of alternative to that is to pursue my education and gather up a bunch of uh, certifications in this field so that I can get jobs in this field. And, you know, I don't, it, it's kind of a scary thing in this day and age to not have a high school diploma. Um, so that's kind of like, that's a big motivation. It's like, I want to, I want people to see that I'm still, even though I don't have that diploma, I'm still, I can still work hard and I can, I can still achieve my goals. Um, one of the other things is the journeyman is a, uh, prerequisite if you want to be a TA teaching assistant here at the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School, which is definitely something that I would love to do. Um, at the heart of all my motivation is the fact that I eventually want to be a father and have a family and I want to be the best parent that I can possibly be for my future children and parenting is from what I see it's it's being a leader and it's being an instructor and it's also being able to provide for your children and instructing bushcraft basically hits all three of those things in one. So getting as much experience as an instructor and a leader and more experience working with these skills, that's just basically prepare myself as much as possible for that job one day. Did you see those skills in your own parents raising you and your siblings? The skills I learned out here, um, no, they're not the same skills. Definitely, uh, you know, my parents were able to provide for us in a completely different way in the, in, within the, the monetary system and being able to provide like that. And definitely as instructors and leaders, definitely I had very, very good parents, um, very supportive so yeah, definitely saw that. 
Imagine yourself 10 years from now. What are you doing? Where are you working? What's your life like? 10 years from now, that's that's exactly what it is. My whole family and I, we have a 10-year plan. Uh, we want to get a nice piece of land um, and just work to become self-sustainable um, as much as possible, just in all sorts of ways, for hunting uh, or trapping, fishing, and growing our own food, so applying permaculture to the area. Um, it's a big project, and I want to get... I want to kind of branch out and get more than just my immediate family involved, get other people that I know would be interested in living that kind of life involved. More hands, more good people that are working towards that, the easier that dream will be to be accomplished. But yeah, that definitely just working towards that goal in 10 years from now I'll be 28 that'll be your return of Saturn Saturn will be in the same place that it was when you were born yeah oh my god I never thought about that that's cool yeah definitely definitely hope to be far along on that goal by then can you tell me a little bit about your girlfriend? We're neighbors in camp, and I hear you talking to her on the yeah. phone, and I met her. She dropped you off yeah. um, back in August. Yeah. Yeah, we've been together for about almost two and a half years now. We met in high school before I, a couple, couple months before I dropped out. We started hanging out all the time, and... Uh, and yeah, eventually we, after months of hanging out, we decided we liked each other and we wanted to to be together. And we were infatuated with each other. We just spent every moment together. And I don't know, at some point, kind of realized, like, I don't want to let this go. And I don't see any reason why this should ever, why I should ever let this go. I mean, I really love her and... I think that any any issues that ever come up they can always be worked worked through as long as you have that motivation. Um and we're we're super we're interested in a lot of the same things. We're ve- both very uh interested in nature and living this kind of lifestyle. Um so yeah, we we were definitely very good fit for each other. We're very lucky to have found each other. Such a young age. So you've been in America for the past few months. Yeah. Um, any differences or similarities between Canada and the U.S.? It's hard to say exactly because, yeah, we're in different countries, but we're also just in completely different uh areas like I live in the heart of a of a a, a decent sized city and I've never been anywhere this remote before definitely people are a lot friendlier here just like off the bat they talk to you and you can like say hi to people you see it's hard to catch eye contact even with people in a city walking down the street um yeah, it's definitely, I think that that's just that goes 
that, that that that's what it is when you're when you're living in a place with less people all around people are just kind of closer do you have a anecdote about a mainer that you've met or interacted with up here an anecdote from here um no i haven't actually really talked to that many of the locals like either at the grocery store they're super nice but uh but no, I didn't get too close with anyone. Did you get close with your classmates while you were here? Definitely. That was that was like the most amazing part. I was super worried before I came here. I was like, okay, who's going to be there? I That was the only thing that was really making me nervous. But immediately when I got here, everyone was so welcoming. And we all clicked together so well from the beginning. And... I just think like the, the the group dynamic dynamic has been you couldn't have asked for better really I mean there has been I can't even think of a conflict that really arose anything that did was just worked worked what worked through so well it was really yeah it was I couldn't have asked for better do you think you'll stay in touch with people when we leave definitely I definitely want to definitely want to um, it's obviously going to be hard, but I think just knowing where people are at in February, I'm in a, an area that I know someone's there, just definitely going to, going to hit them up, catch up. Definitely. I, I, that, that's the, that's always the thing about like the end of a, of a, of a sort of like semester like this, you get so close to people and then you just say bye and it's like, no. No, I don't want to just say bye. There's no way I can't just say bye. Definitely want to want to stay in touch. You have plans to come back for the winter course. Uh, tell me a little bit about what you'll be doing and what you hope to learn. So it's going to be a two-week uh, snowshoe exposition. Um, from what I know, I don't know too much. From what I do know is it's going to be sort of living, working, doing the same sort of skills, but applying them to a completely different environment, just being so cold and full of snow, uh, and learning how to adapt to that climate. Yeah, it'll be like 30 below and 10 feet of snow up here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And everything is going to be, everything that, that that was easy here, like, I don't know, making a bojo fire, I mean, it's not easy, but be 10 times harder in the snow. Setting up camp, tying knots, everything is going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to be a completely different ball game. But uh, but it's good to to kind of get both ends of the spectrum and get a better understanding of the whole thing. I think that the skills that I that I learned here and will be continuing to learn and do there are just going to get built in that much more. What was your favorite experience? I know you camped down by the river. We've been on the boats. We've done a lot of cooking. Is there one thing that sticks out in your mind as favorite? One thing sticks out in my mind as favorite. Oh, that's that's a super hard question. Um, definitely, yeah, two things that, that, that jump out at me are being on the water in the canoe, pulling up to the uh, to the river, on that on that beautiful day back when it was still hot out. Um, Tell me about that day. 
Wow, that was awesome. I mean, we had learned how the basics of how to pull in a canoe earlier that week. And I think everybody struggled with it so hard. It was, Absolutely. What is polling? I think a lot of people don't even know. Polling, it's, they say it's, it's a lost art form of, uh, of getting around in a, in a canoe. Um, you have a long pole, I, think about, I don't know, 15 feet roughly with a little steel uh, foot on the bottom. And, uh, and basically just pushing off the ground in the shallow water to get around. Um, it's very challenging to keep the boat going straight. Yeah, a lot of nuance to it, a lot of nuance. But yeah, essentially it's, it's that. It's, it's pushing off the, using the ground, pushing off to, to move the boat. And how was the trip up the river? It was, once again, it was very frustrating getting to learn but at a certain point, maybe 45 minutes in, something just kind of clicks and you get into a flow. And at that point, it starts to make more sense. Um, so I definitely just, just that's, that's really the only way to learn a thing like that is to do it and get practice with it, which is awesome. I'm really glad that we got that opportunity to, to practice yeah, we do a lot of doing, a lot of hands-on. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to talk about or add? One thing, I mean, I was working in a kitchen before I came here, um, and I love to cook, but uh, I had never cooked in a Dutch oven before, and it's changed my life. It's so easy, and it makes all your food taste 10 times better. What is it? How does it work? A Dutch oven, it's a cast iron uh, pot with a very heavy lid goes on top. Um, and so it traps a lot of the steam and the flavor in there as you're cooking. And it's seasoned in a way so that sort of like the whatever you cook in there, it kind of adds to the flavor of the pot. So your food will kind of taste a bit like what you cooked before. And it just keeps adding. So there's just more and more flavor going into it. I don't... I, I don't even understand the science of it. All I know is that it just, it makes all food taste so good. What are you putting in your Dutch oven tonight? Uh, well, of course, the, 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 the three main things that I, I've been putting in all my meals is onions, garlic, and potatoes. And then whatever else I have lying around. So I got, uh, I'm going to put a carrot in there, a bit of rutabaga, uh, an apple. What else I got? Um... Yeah, I I would put in some like bell peppers and uh, and uh, mushrooms if I had, but I'm out of that. And then I'm gonna throw in some quinoa afterwards and just have a big old meshy meshy stir fry of goodness. Nice. Well, as you are Quebecois, I will say bon appetit. Ah, merci, merci. <laughs> Thank you, Xander. I'm Regina Beach, and you've been listening to Saturn Returns. If you like what you hear. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Saturn Returns podcast. You can also subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.